Thanks, Andrew. I want to add my welcome to you. It's so great to have you sharing with us. Particularly today, it's exciting as we step out on this church-wide series, Much Prayer, Much Power. If you've been around Bridgman for a while, you would have heard that phrase. It's one of our little sayings that's been part of our church uh, from the very beginning, in fact, uh, and, and very much conveys our heart for prayer. I don't know who originally said it. I think it was one of the uh, writers on prayer originally who said that, but um, we've taken it as being capturing our heart as a church, hence the name for the series. Over the next five weeks, we'll be studying uh, around the topic of prayer together, collectively, and I believe that as we look into this, as we seek to grow in our heart for prayer, as we do this together, collectively, um, that we will see God move in power in our own lives personally, but also corporately among us as a church. And uh, right up front, I want to let you know, at the end of this series, we are finishing with an outpouring night, a night of prayer and worship. And I'd love you to book that in your calendar, come out with your connect group, It'll be the culmination of the series. We're going to come together and just seek God and worship Him and pray to Him together. If you've been to one of those nights, you'll know how powerful they are. It'll be the perfect way to finish up this series. Uh, I recently read about the top three excuses to give if you're found to have fallen asleep at your desk at work and your boss finds you. Uh, the top excuses to give. Number three was just to simply say in that moment, they told me at the blood bank this could happen. That's number three excuse. <laughs> Number two is to say, this was just a power nap like they raved about that time management course that you sent me to. That's all this is, just following the guidance there. But the top excuse was simply to open your eyes and say, in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> if you're found to have fallen asleep at your desk at work, a little tip for you to take there. Um, some people are still getting it. They're clicking in there. But when it comes to prayer, I don't think any of us would say that we have got it all sorted. In fact, when it comes to the topic of prayer, for more, more often the feeling that we have are feelings of guilt and inadequacy, that I don't pray as much as I should, that I find it hard to concentrate when I pray. I wonder at times, are my prayers even getting through to God? Are they making a difference? Am I praying the right way, saying the right words? We can tend to lack confidence when we pray, and prayer, rather than being something that we get excited about, it can feel more like something that we have to endure like a duty or a chore. But I can assure you that that is not how God intended prayer to be. And I know this because when the disciples saw Jesus pray, they were attracted to his prayer life. They were compelled by what they saw. They saw a, a, a something dynamic and alive in the way Jesus prayed, and they wanted what he had. And so they said to Jesus, we read about it in Luke chapter 11, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, would you teach us to pray? And we know that this was not because the disciples were not familiar with prayer. As devout Jews, they would have grown up their whole life praying, praying three times a day, having prayers they would have remembered, memorized and would recite they would have been very familiar with prayer, but when they saw Jesus praying, they saw something different. They saw something compelling. They saw something they wanted to have, and that's why they said, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? We want what you've got. We want to pray like you. And Jesus was only too glad to share with them how to pray, to teach them how to pray, and he began by giving them the foundation of all prayer. He said to them, when you pray, Make sure you pray, or the way you should pray is to pray our Father, to pray Father in heaven. 
And Jesus was saying that the foundation of prayer is this understanding that when we pray, we are coming to our heavenly Father, a Father who loves to hear us and who longs to bless us. I still remember vividly bringing our firstborn home from the hospital, our daughter home from the hospital. I remember that occasion, you know, where they give you the baby, you put them in the car, you're driving home super carefully because, um, you, you know, you, you're nervous about having this baby in the car with you. You get home. I remember getting home and lying on the bed next to our, our, our daughter and looking at her in the eyes and just having this amazing moment of connection. She was gooing and garring. I didn't know what she was saying. I was gooing and garring back to her. It didn't matter. We didn't understand because we're having this moment of connection together, which was incredibly powerful. It didn't matter that then she vomited and vomited into my mouth in that moment and sort of wrecked the moment, but it didn't matter because she was my daughter and I loved her and we were having this moment of connection. That daughter is now 18 years old. You know what? When she rings me on my phone, she's saved in my favourites. She can get through every you know, mode on my phone. I never hesitate to answer that call. In fact, it doesn't matter what I'm doing, what meeting I'm in, what I'm doing, if my 18-year-old daughter calls me, guess what? I answer it straight away. And if she asks me for something, I will do whatever I can to help her. I will move heaven and earth to help my 18-year-old daughter. Why? Because she's my daughter and I'm her father and I love her just as I did that very first day bringing her home from the hospital. In fact, even more, I think. And I love to hear from her and my heart is to do whatever I can to, to bless her. This is the heart with, that I have towards A father has towards a child, a parent has toward a son or a daughter. And Jesus says this concept is the foundation of prayer. Understanding that when you pray, you come before a loving heavenly father who loves to hear from you. This is what Matthew, how Jesus puts it in Matthew chapter 7. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock And the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What an incredible invitation right there. Which of you, Jesus continues, if your son asks for bread, will bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more, key phrase in this passage, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Again, that picture of a Father that we come before. At the foundation of prayer is an understanding that prayer is like a child asking their Father for help. You may have come across the idea that making childlike requests in prayer is basic spirituality from which we then are invited to move on to higher forms of prayer. But I want to tell you this morning that we never graduate from childlike requests. Childlike requests are advanced spirituality in the kingdom of God. Jesus, um, when a child was placed among the disciples, Jesus said, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, is how Jesus put it. There is nothing greater in the kingdom of God than coming before our father like a child, a child coming before a father in faith. 
One of my favourite stories on prayer is the story of Dr. Helen Rosevere, who was a missionary to the Congo. Amazing story if you want to read her biography. But she tells the story of a time where they were in a really tough situation where a mother at their mission station there in the Congo had died after giving birth to her baby prematurely. And they were trying to improvise with an incubator for this premature baby to keep the infant alive, but they only had, the only hot water bottle that they had had actually, um, um, wasn't working, had disintegrated, and so they were desperate, not knowing what to do. And so what they did is they got the children together at the mission station to pray over this situation, to ask God for help. And so they asked the children to pray, and one of the the children prayed this prayer. One of the little girls said, Dear God, please send a hot water bottle today. Tomorrow will be too late because by then the baby will have passed away. And dear Lord, send a doll for the sister so she won't feel so lonely. Classic child prayer, isn't it? How a a child would pray. Well, that afternoon, Helen Rosevere says, a package arrived from England and they very eagerly opened the package. And guess what they found in the package? A hot water bottle was there in that package, arrived that very day. But that little girl, she was... um, amazed at the water bottle, but she was more interested to keep digging through the package because she said, if God sent a hot water bottle, there will definitely be a doll in here for her sister as well. And sure enough, out of the bottom of the box, she pulls out this baby doll for the sister as well. This incredible childlike faith with which we're invited to come to our Heavenly Father. There's something powerful about it. It's, it's simple. It's faith-filled. It's authentic. Childlike prayers are advanced spirituality in the kingdom of God. I want to tell you that. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus again makes this point. He says, when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they will think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, Jesus says. For your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. How true is it that we often complicate prayer? We often make it far more complex than it needs to be. It's actually incredibly simple. We come to our Heavenly Father, a Father who loves to hear us, who longs to bless us. We can come in childlike faith. One writer says this, we too easily think of those who move in contemplative modes of praying or those who make worship or confession the focus of their praying as those who are the advanced prayers. It's not so. We must recognize that it's the unsophisticated, simple prayers who truly express trust in divine majesty, who truly acknowledge their own need before God, and who have truly grasped the freedom of the father-child relationship. Many books on prayer exhort us to reach for deeper experiences in prayer or more sophisticated modes of prayer that breed a sense of inadequacy in some and superiority in others. But the the Bible invites us to find the model of prayer in the simple petitioning of a child before a father. This leads to freedom and peace. Incredible invitation, isn't it, that we are given here. So simple and yet so powerful and so profound. So when we pray, we need to believe that God is a gracious Father who delights to hear our prayers and a sovereign Father who can answer our prayers as well. Of course, we lose the wonder of this new relationship if we isolate the truth of God's fatherhood from the wider reality of God. 
God is the majestic creator of all things, as we've been singing about this morning. He is the one who dwells in unapproachable glory, the one who consumes those who come near to him. This is who God is in his holiness. It's only through Christ that he has now become father, the father that we can approach. He is not any less Lord or judge. We have not moved from an old concept of God and now here's something different. That's not what we're talking about here. Rather, we have come into a new relationship with the awesome creator, God. Now we come with both fear and reverence on the one hand, but with the ease and confidence of a child as well. The two intention as we come before God. God is still our creator, but he is also now our father. And prayer is the way of relating to him, of enjoying this intimacy, this relationship with our heavenly father. I don't know if you found this when you pray, but sometimes when we pray, we can find there is a voice in our head saying, well, that wasn't a very good prayer. That wasn't really, you know, that, that great. You need to try a bit harder or you need to do better than that. I don't know if you really did that great job in that prayer. I want to tell you that that is not the voice of your heavenly father. That is the voice of the accuser, Satan, who wants to do whatever he can to stop you talking to your heavenly father. Your heavenly father says to you, he, he loves it, he applauds you, and even with your most faltering, jumbling attempts of prayer. You know, when that newborn baby, my firstborn came home, all my kids, when they're little and they're trying to talk and they're sort of still learning their words, as a father, you don't scold them for that. You don't think, well, that's no good, do better. You don't say that to a child. You're so glad that they're trying to communicate and connect. The same is true of our heavenly father. He loves to hear us when we pray, and he longs to pour out his blessing upon us. Allow that truth to sink deep in your heart and your mind as we launch out on this whole journey of prayer. So the foundation of prayer is that we pray to the Father who loves us, who longs to hear from us, who desires to bless us, but more than that, we pray to the Father through the Son. Have you ever wondered what makes a good prayer? What is it that makes a prayer an effective prayer? Is it praying a particular formula of words? Is that what makes a good prayer? Is it praying in a particular posture, you know, kneeling or with your hands raised? Is that what makes for a good prayer? Is it praying for a certain length of time? You know, once you cross over 30 minutes or an hour, then that's an effective prayer. You've crossed over that marker uh, is it praying with a certain fervency or intensity? The more intense and fervent I can be in my prayer, then that will make my prayer more effective. What is it that makes a good prayer? What is it that makes our prayers effective? Well, the Bible tells us what makes our prayer effective, and it's actually none of those things that I just mentioned. There is one thing that makes our prayers good prayers and that one thing is actually a person, and that person is Jesus. It is Jesus that makes our prayers effective. Nothing more and nothing less. This is how Hebrews chapter 4 puts it. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach 
God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I'm not sure if you've ever seen one of these before. It's called a life straw. And the idea behind one of these is that in a survival situation where there is no water around, you can take the life straw and you can actually um, use it to draw water up from a, you know, from a, puddle, a muddy puddle of water or even from a stagnant pond. Now, um, this particular life straw is designed to attach to a plastic container. So the idea is that you can scoop some water out of a muddy puddle, one I prepared earlier. Oh, that's leaking a bit there. One I prepared a bit earlier, muddy puddle. And the idea of this life straw is is that you just can, can connect it on. It's an amazing invention. It has a filter in it, and they use this in many parts of the world where there is no um, safe drinking water. And you can actually take it, and in that situation, it will filter through the water and produce out the other side some clean, drinking, purified water that you can drink from. Just like that. Isn't that, isn't that pretty amazing? David, would you like to try uh, to drink this water? <laughs> Let me, just, um, let me just try it. It's good, actually good. If, if I'm not here next week, you know, um, it didn't work so well, but... <laughs> the Bible says that Jesus is like our life straw in the sense that he is our mediator, that he is our high priest, that our prayers, however ordinary they may be, right, however um, basic or simple or even you know, mixed motives or all the things that we get caught up in. None of us get this perfect. They actually get filtered through Jesus, through his righteousness, through his purifying, redeeming work on the cross for us. They get filtered through him. And that means that our prayers are always good prayers because Jesus is good enough. This is the truth we need to get hold of this morning. The key word in Hebrews 4 there is that we have confidence now in approaching God's throne of grace. Because Jesus is our high priest, we can have confidence when we approach our Father in prayer. We don't need to be fearful about saying the wrong thing or getting it wrong or not praying the right way or our prayers not being effective. Because if we're honest, none of our prayers are actually perfect. We are so mixed up in just our own brokenness, our own sinfulness. That there's always mixed motives. There's always not quite right. As hard as we might try to get it right, but the good news is we don't have to be bound up by that. We can know our freedom because we know that our prayers are being filtered. They're going through Jesus and our prayers are always good enough because Jesus is good enough and our prayers are always effective because of Jesus. Isn't that good to know that truth? Huge difference this makes. And so we can have confidence and Hebrews here outlines why we can have confidence in this passage. We can have confidence because Jesus understands us when we pray. Jesus, fully human, fully God, because of his humanity, he understands our struggles. He knows what it means to be in our situation, to be in need, to live in a broken, sinful world. We read in Hebrews 5 verse 7 that during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears. You ever been in that place where you're praying prayers, loud cries and tears? Well, Jesus understands that. He knows that. He's been there. He's done that. It's actually part of the perfection of Christ that he has learned what it means to wrestle before God with human suffering, with human Frailty. And this means that God does not respond to us with, with this thinking of, or, or like, a, like a, um, 
uh, disinterested father who say, well, just pull yourself together. You know, just get yourself sorted out. Why are you bothering me with your puny little problems down there? That's not how God responds when we pray. Because of Jesus, he will deal gently with us, with understanding, because he knows, Jesus knows what it's like to find life tough. He understands, it says in the passage, our weaknesses. He gets it. The one who has entered heaven on our behalf has carried real humanity there for us. So he knows what it's like to be in our situation. So for this reason, we can have confidence when we pray that Jesus understands our experience. He understands where we are coming from. The second reason we can have confidence in prayer is because Jesus represents us. It was the role of the priest in the Old Testament to represent the people before God. That is exactly what Jesus does for us now. He does this by being in heaven on our behalf as our representative. This is what it means when it says Jesus intercedes for us. It means he is in heaven before the throne of God on our behalf as our representative. And by his presence, he reminds the Father, not that he needs reminding, but he is this reminder of the Father of, of his finished work on the cross. He is right now before God uh, in, in his resurrected state, but still with his pierced hands and his wounded side, rem a reminder of the work on the cross that, that God the Father is able to hear us, to show mercy because the price has been paid, because the way has been opened. And so we can have confidence when we pray because we know that Jesus represents us right now in this moment. And the third reason we can have confidence when we pray is because Jesus has given us access to God. Many, many years ago when I used to work uh, for a bank and when I worked in the bank, we needed a whole heap of security codes and passwords and things like this to get in because uh, obviously just because we're dealing with money and cash and in the very center of the bank was always a safe which held the cash for that day or for that week's worth of, of um, transactions that were going to take place. When we arrived at the branch in the morning, I had one code to get into the branch in the morning just to get into the main banking chamber, but then I had another code to get me into the staff area, but then only a few people had the code to get into the safe at the very inner part of, of the, the, the branch, and that was where we would go in to get the cash out for the day. This is a picture of what Jesus is saying here, that we have been given access into the presence of God. We have this high priest who has gone through the heavens, is what verse 14 says, gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. The temple in the Old Testament was a big picture of the inaccessibility of God. It was this constant reminder for the people that they could not have access to God because of his holiness, because he was so glorious, they could not come into his presence without being destroyed. And so the temple consisted of the outer court um, beyond which certain people couldn't go then into the, into the next layer, the inner court, and then finally the Holy of Holies where God's presence dwelt. And only the priests would go in there once a year through the shedding of sacrificial blood to get access into God's presence. In front of the Holy of Holies was the thick curtain which separated that place from everyone else. When Jesus died, that curtain literally, physically was torn in two, opening the way so that we could have access to a holy God. The way was open. And the curtain of the temple really was there as a, as a shadow, of, as a picture 
of what was actually happening in the spiritual realm, where the real stuff was, where the real action was. Here we are, we didn't have access. The curtain being torn was actually a, a physical representation of what was happening in the spiritual realm, where Jesus was giving us access to a holy God. The earthly temple, a presence of his holy presence. And this is why the writer says, Jesus has gone through the heavens. When Jesus entered heaven, he presented himself as the true sacrifice to God. And now through Jesus, the way to God is open. Right? The, the curtain's torn in two. We can now know God and be near to God. You know, across the whole Old Testament, everyone looking forward was dreaming of a day, had heard of this truth that there would come a day where we could be in God's very presence. We could know him, that God could dwell with his people, his people could dwell with him. We live in that time because of what Jesus has done. This incredible gift. We have access to the Father. We have access to all the fullness of his riches, of his grace. And this is so important for us when it comes to prayer because one of the biggest reasons we do not pray more it's because sinners do not want to come before a holy God. And that's all of us. We're all broken. We're all sinful. And when we come, when we're in that state, whether we realize it fully or not, but there is something within us that we just shrink back from the light. We don't want to come into the presence before a holy God. But the good news of the gospel is that in Christ we have been declared righteous. We need not shrink back anymore but can approach God boldly. We have access. We have been given the passcode, and the passcode is Jesus. And we can now go right in to that inner place, to that holy place, approach his throne with boldness. And yet how often do we allow our own awareness of our brokenness, of our failures, of our sinfulness to actually hinder us from coming to God? Instead, we want to turn away, but your heavenly Father says, don't do that. Don't listen to the accuser or say you're not good enough. Instead, remember that you have access through Jesus. Come to me. Perhaps you've wondered why Christians often finish their prayers with the words, in Jesus' name. Have you noticed that? Why, why do we say that all the time? Well, it's not some mantra that we recite. It's not some invocation or some special formula. It's actually there as a reminder, a reminder to us of the fact that we have access now to God through Jesus because of his sacrifice once for all for sins. And so to pray in the name of Jesus is to recognize our dependence on Christ as our mediator, as our high priest, the one who we come through to pray to the Father. It's interesting that um, much of the material on prayer is focused on those things that help us to pray. You know, our posture, exercises in prayer, liturgies, habits. And while these can be incredibly helpful, and we will look at some of these along the way, I want you to understand at the outset that the focus of the Bible is on Christ and his sufficiency. That is where the focus is. This Understanding that there is nothing we can do to make our prayers more effective before God. It is Christ who makes our prayers effective. Nothing more and nothing less. Hallisby, in his book on prayers, an old book which I came across this week, and I was just reading the introduction to it, and this is what he says in his book. He says, The results of prayer, therefore, are not dependent upon the power of the one who prays, his intense will, his fervent emotions or his clear comprehension of what he is praying, 
For are not the reasons why his prayer are not the reasons why his prayers will be heard and answered? No. God be praised, the results of prayer are not dependent on these things. To pray is nothing more than to open the door, giving Jesus access to our needs and permitting him to exercise his own power in dealing with them. And here is the point that I really want you to get hold of today, and that is what makes our prayers effective is Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. We don't need special techniques or postures or methods or styles. The effectiveness of your prayers will not be judged on your morality, on your spirituality, even on your Bible knowledge, not even on the length of of your prayers or the fervency with which you pray. Our prayers are holy and only effective through Christ's work. Jesus has done all the hard work for us. Jesus makes all your prayers good prayers. And that makes you a good prayer. I just want to encourage you this morning. You are a good prayer if you're in Christ because of Jesus. And your prayers are a delight to God the Father. He hears them through his Son. And he looks on you and his Son. He delights in you this morning. No matter what thoughts you might have in your mind, I want to tell you that is how God sees you this morning. Now, I don't know about you, but I think this is great news. Don't you agree? This is amazing news. We so often can overcomplicate prayers, make it far more complex than it needs to be, put all these obstacles and unnecessary barriers in the way, and this morning, Jesus says to you, I want you to take all that away. I want you to understand that the foundation of prayer is coming before a father who loves you, loves to hear from you, longs to bless you, and that we come to the Father through the Son who has made every prayer you pray a good prayer. Every prayer is effective because of Jesus and his work on the cross for us. Prayer is this amazing gift that he has given to us. And we want to take hold of that. We want to live in the freedom and the peace of, of this truth, this reality. Joseph Scriven was born in 1819 in Ireland. And he was born into a brethren family, grew up as a, a believer. And across his life, he experienced his fair share of, of, of trials and sorrows. As a young man, he fell in love with a young woman and they were engaged to be married. The day before their wedding day, he actually, his fiance actually came off her horse as she was crossing a bridge and she fell off the bridge into a swollen river and um, was actually drowned in that river. And Joseph saw this, he witnessed it, there was nothing he could do in the moment. And because of this situation, naturally, he was just overcome with sorrow and heartache. And he found it really hard to get over that. And he ended up actually um, leaving Ireland and he headed to Canada to start a new life. Well, there he met uh, a young lady, Elijah Roche, and they fell in love. And so they got engaged to be married. But again, Tragedy struck when Eliza um, was diagnosed with, or came down with pneumonia, and um, she didn't recover from that. She passed away as well. And Joseph never got married again. He lived the rest of his life very simply. Um, There's accounts of his life as having um, helped the widows, the orphans, people who were sick. He gave away what he had, incredibly generous, shared his clothes, often would work for nothing for people just to help them in their time of need. On one occasion, Joseph became ill, and a friend who was visiting Joseph in this particular state discovered a poem that was sitting 
near his bed and he asked Joseph, who, who wrote this poem? And Joseph's reply was that the Lord and I did it between us. He'd written this poem and he thought the poem would perhaps bring some spiritual comfort to his mother who still lived back in Ireland. He hadn't seen for many years and he planned to send this poem back to her. And he had not intended for anyone else to ever see this poem. The words are very simple. Um, The application of it is very basic, but the truth is profound. And I want to read to you the words of this poem. You may recognize the words. This is what it said. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrow share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Play that poem would be set to music, become the famous hymn, What a Friend We Find in Jesus. I love it because it's so simple. It's not complicated and yet full of profound truth. And I believe God is calling us to uncomplicate to remove unnecessary barriers we put, to let our hearts be grounded in this truth, come before Him. He loves to hear us, longs to bless us. Don't carry things unnecessary this morning. Sorrows, burdens, trials, don't hold on to them. Don't allow things in your own life to stop you coming to your Heavenly Father this morning. Lay them all down. Come to Him this morning in prayer. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for you the truth of your word we thank you that we can come to you right now as our loving heavenly father this amazing gift that you have opened the way for us and now in these moments we want to ask Lord forgive us where we've overcomplicated things we've allowed our own thoughts our own journey to get in the way of just coming to you, Lord, in faith like a child. Lord, for some of us this morning, we're carrying burdens, we're carrying sorrows, we're carrying things you don't want us to carry, and Lord, we just want to come now in these moments and lay them at your feet to trust you, Lord, that you love us, that you're with us, that you're for us. Lord, we want to thank you that you have made the way, Lord, that that every prayer we pray is a good prayer, that prayer that Jesus, you've made the way open, that we can come into the presence of a holy God. We can come with confidence this morning because you understand, Lord, you know what it's like to be in our situation. You're standing as our representative this morning. You've opened the way for us. And so, Lord, we want to take hold of this gift this morning. Grow our heart for prayer over this series. Bless all the groups they are going to meet. This week, I pray, and flowing out of this, Lord, we pray we would just see a moving and greater power in our lives, in your church, in this community, our city and beyond, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.